When you were talking during the first scene, I was like half listening. That's what I do every time you're talking. <laughs> oh, fuck you. Well, here we are, the 18th episode of Hey Beautiful. It's a big one for mm-hmm. for How I Met Your Mother. It's a very different episode than than most we've seen so far. So, how you doing, Caitlin? You ready to tackle this guy? Am I ever, Kate? <laughs> yeah, get your fucking crunches out of the way. Oh god, you could hear me eating the sour bells. Yeah. Yeah. So bad. I was like, yeah. oh, oh, so bad. I mean, my mouth is full of food right then. Sorry, dear listeners. I am a disgusting pig and all I do is eat. Mm-hmm. Like every week I come with my snacks ready. I usually wear a yeah. hoodie because I put my snacks in my hoodie pocket. Oh, I had some pretzels in there already. Oh my God. Now look you at my pocket. You are a fucking mess. I am. I just love <laughs> snacks and eating, which is why we can't have nice things. But I mean, who doesn't? Yeah, all right, I'm eating all my snacks Just now. keep the smack into him. That's all I ask. We got a record, record number of emails and tweets to us about this yep. episode. Um, I think we have five people what? Who, who wrote in with legendary moments just for this episode. So crazy. thank you, everybody. Stick around. We will air those later when we talk about the legendary moments from this episode. In the meantime, if you are just joining us for the first time, we are Hey Beautiful, and we are recapping every single episode of How I Met Your Mother one week at a time. And if you haven't yet, you can follow us on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we'd love if you would leave us a review on iTunes. We got our first legit review this week. Woohoo! I can't believe it. Yay! Yep, we've gotten some stars before, but this is the first written review. Mm-hmm. I think her name is Katie. She runs another podcast. It's, I think it's TFGIF, which is Thank Fucking God It's Friday, and it's all about uh, 90s TV shows. So Ooh. thank you, Katie. Uh, we will be checking out your podcast because we have to support each other. Absolutely. Sisters in podcasting. Uh, so yeah, be like Katie and give us a review on iTunes. So yeah, or just leave us a few stars if you'd like. Um, you can also find us on Twitter and Facebook at Hey Beautiful Pod. We make cool gifs and share them on Twitter, and you can talk to us about the episodes there. And you can also email us any comments on the episodes or a legendary moment to heybeautifulpodcast at gmail.com. And now it's time to talk about nothing good ever happens after 2 a.m. This is season one, episode 18, Nothing Good Ever Happens After 2 a.m. It first aired April 10th, 2006. It was written by Carter Bays and Craig Thomas, our show creators, and directed, as always, by Pam Fryman. And this is actually one of the episodes in season one that had DVD commentary from Carter and Craig. So we will we will sprinkle in some of their gems. We won't tell you everything they say because we still want you guys to go out and buy the box set. But right. there are a couple uh, pieces that really illuminated some stuff. Um, for this episode in the show that that we'll share along the way. For instance, uh, they mentioned that this was actually a very tough episode for them to write because this is the first episode where we really see Ted doing something wrong. Yeah. So they, yeah, they had a tough time writing Ted doing something bad, but then they said 
that this show has to be about the lessons he learns, and you can't really learn a lot of lessons without messing up. Right, so. he can't be like too Pollyanna. Exactly. So this is Ted entering a new dimension of his character in, in his ability to fuck up so incredibly royally in one night. So we open up with a pretty quick recap um, about Ted and Victoria and their relationship so far, you know, from when they first met to when she got her super important dessert scholarship to <laughs> when to when they decided to try long distance right up until Ted gets the phone call from Robin asking if he wants to come over. We hear future Ted narrating and saying that the kid's grandma, so his mom, used to say nothing good happens after 2 a.m., Mm-hmm. Which is true. You know, nothing oh, good happens. You should just go to bed. Whatever you're thinking about, it's it's not a good choice. So don't do it. You know, case in point, we see Ted on the couch after leaving the karaoke bar. And this was the last scene we had seen uh, in the previous episode, Life Among the Gorillas. And we see Ted just standing there, dumbstruck, looking mm-hmm. off into the middle distance. And... That's when future Ted tells us we're going to back up for a moment. That classic uh, elements of a Himium episode is up playing with time. So we get to rewind Mm -hmm. and get more information to the story because there's some stuff we're not picking up on. Yeah, so we're going to go back 20 hours to the beginning of the day. We've already seen Ted's whole day in the first half of this episode. I think it was Craig who did say that this is supposed to be like an hour-long drama instead of a 30-minute Oh, good, like you were saying. Sitcom? Yeah. So I was like, yes, we called it. Yeah. So um, that mm-hmm. that's why they had the To Be Continued. So it was really, they wanted this to have a different feel. So in the first half of this quote-unquote episode, so last episode, we saw Ted's whole day um, leading up to the moment where he made a terrible decision at 2 a.m. And now we get to see the whole day through Robin's point of view because why in the world is she calling him at 2 a.m.? Yeah. He wasn't the only one making bad decisions that night. So like you said, it's a very him-yum thing to do to go back and, and fill in the rest of the story. The day seems to start off okay. Robin 8 a.m.? 8 a.m., waking Luxuriously up. late. Fresh as a daisy, yeah. you know, surrounded by all her dogs, and uh, she's off to a good day. In the background, uh, the music playing is All Right by Supergrass, which <gasps> reminds you. me of Clueless. Clueless! <gasps> I wrote down song from of, Clueless, of and I course. forgot to look up who it was. So, so it's really funny because I said we've got blank playing in the background reminds me of <gasps> Clueless, and I had to look it up, and I Yay! just did. Yes, and friendship. Yay! So yes, Clueless soundtrack playing. Days off to a good start, um, and then we see her standing up addressing a room, and she's kind of really formal about it, and it almost sounds like she's talking to maybe a a room of you know journalism students at a college. Turns out she's talking about the rewarding profession of being a TV reporter to Lily's kindergarten classroom. Not appropriate, Robin. Yeah, so it's it's career day, and and then uh, Robin is just in front of a firing squad of children <laughs> oh, asking her a lot of in, uh, uncomfortable questions about her. About oh, I was going to say, like, children who are very comfortable with her asking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, kids are always comfortable. They, no filter. They have no filter. So they're asking her if she has a fiancé because it's a new word they've learned from Marshall visiting. And, you know, they just keep hammering her like, well, who do you live with if you don't live with your fiancé? And don't you get lonely? And an excellent part is when 
a little boy asks, are you a lesbian? <laughs> and she says, no, are you? So clearly. Like totally goes off on this five-year-old. Off, off the rails, um, trying to defend her lifestyle. So it feels like this, it's possible that this has been happening to her a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that she really can't even see the humor in, in children doing this to her. She's getting older, like, well, in, on a patriarchal scale. Um, a woman her age not being tied down. Her family and colleagues are bound to are bound to notice, so I'm sure she's been getting shit from them. Mm-hmm. And then she's been hanging out with Ted for like a month straight, just sort of agonizing. So I feel like she's just already on in a rut. That. Yeah, yeah. Much to her chagrin, Barney gets up there and totally kills it because he isn't talking about what he does for a living. Because we are never gonna find out. Please. And I love he says to the kids that he knows they don't give a brown Crayola when he does for a living. <laughs> yeah. That was a pretty clever way of saying they don't give a shit. And so he immediately whips out his magic skills. Is this the first time he's done magic? No, we've seen it one other time before in Slutty Pumpkin. Yeah, when he was on the roof at the rooftop party. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. It turns out, this was from the commentary, Carter and Craig were talking about how originally Barney was not written to be a magician, but Neil Patrick Harris, obviously an incredible magician, brought that to the role and sort of added it as a layer to Barney. And that he's very serious about it, like in real life. And um, at this point, at least when they were doing the commentary, I don't know if it's true now, Uh, Neil Patrick Harris was on the board of the Magic Castle out in Hollywood, which is like this extremely exclusive magician's guild. Magic is his jam, and he bewitches the children with it. And me, to be honest. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) And so Robin is still feeling like she's not having a great day. All right, so we fast forward to Robin, who is about to go on uh, on the air. And, you know, watching the scenes again and... Seeing Ted with that, I have a girlfriend for now. He was definitely, like, so super flirty and mm-hmm. really intentional with yeah. that statement. And I really saw it again after, you know, we had talked about it last week and then had yeah, the opportunity so to see it again. Up. This yeah. catches up to the last time, yeah. Right. So we see Robin and her co-worker, who <gasps> is none other than Sandy Rivers. Oh, Sandy. Uh, played by Alexis Denisoff, who is married to Allison Hannigan. Yes. Another one of many Buffy crossovers that we will point out along the way. And the guys on the commentary said that they were actually, I mean, they're huge fans of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. And you can tell because there's so many of the same actors. Is that where they met? Yeah. Yeah. They met on the set of of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. They've been married for 15 years so Isn't much. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. That doesn't really happen very much in Hollywood, but I know. they're co- clearly both cool dudes. Apparently when they offered Alex or Alexis this part, he kind of didn't believe that they were fans. They thought he was just offering him the part because, you know, Allison was on the show and, you know, they were kind of being nice, but they're like, no, we freaking him a bone. love you as Wesley on Buffy and Angel, and we want to have you on the show. Thank God they got him because he freaking nails this part. I, like, So I didn't watch Buffy or Angel. My sister did, but yeah. I never did. So I'm not like very familiar with him, mm. but he is so incredible. Right? Sandy Rivers, so good. I think all those like sort of secondary fringe characters are pretty 
great. Like, I'm thinking of Claudia and Stewart. Oh, yeah. Even Blauman and Bilson, as, like, as, like, generic as they are, they're so on the nose and, like, perfect. Not yeah. too on the nose, but perfectly. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And two episodes in a row, we get spouses. Oh, yeah. That's two right. Two husbands. Robin's husband and now Lily's husband in real life. But yeah, that's right. Very cool. So, yeah, we'll see Sandy Rivers again, but he is hilarious. Calls Robin Sherbatsky. <sighs> They're still working stuff out in season I know. one. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And asks if she has a boyfriend. And Robin goes in this like long winded, too much information that they didn't ask for kind of explanation about how they almost dated, but they wanted different things. And meanwhile, Sandy is not listening. He's getting powdered up and ready mm-hmm. to go on. And, and he just turns around and says that they should have sex. He's kind of like Barney, but not as charming, but. Kind of yeah. creepy, which makes it more charming because it's so over the top that you just and love so, him. Yeah, and it's just so matter of fact. Yeah. Like, Barney has all the games and stuff. Sandy's but, no yeah, games. he's just straight up charisma, and he just thinks he is, like, the best thing since sliced bread. And I also love because there's a 10-second countdown going on. Like, yeah, in the background. So they're about to go on the air, and he's just, we should have sex. And then they have to be professional and deliver the news. Yeah, I love it. Um, I love it. Yeah. And Robin has this great line. She says, moving past the horrifying image of your hair helmet clanging against the headboard. <laughs> I, I don't that. get involved with people I work with. Yeah. And he yeah. says, who should get involved? Who should get involved? We're, I'm just talking having sex. And then puts his business card down. Yeah. So she's got one offer of the day. And, and yeah. she doesn't seem to be feeling so hot about it. No. But you're totally right about him being kind of like Barney because... When she rebuffs him the first time, he gives the same sort of rationale that Barney did during Zip, yeah. Zip, Zip. Like, what? We're both attractive. We're both good at it. He's a guy coming from the same kind of place, but he's a little more old school yeah. and doesn't think he has to really sugarcoat But they're it. definitely cut from the same cloth. Yeah. Um, also, guys, don't do this at work ever. No. Like, literally ever. Sandy is a caricature, so. Yeah, he's exaggerating. He's <laughs> like one of those, like, cartoon artist you get at a theme park it's not really something you'd want hanging in like some national gallery right and usually it's like and usually it's the worst parts of you that are accentuated so your big teeth your little eye (laughs) just just me that means we're all caught up so now we've seen robin's entire day we've seen the other side of the phone call from ted when she's at work and now it's past last episode and she is back in her empty of humans apartment. Looking and, all um, sad and lonely. I know. And the apartment's really dark. And there's this sad song playing. It's called Quiet by Rachel Yamagata. It's really pretty. And sad. I know. It's really, it's a really sweet song. And I think it's like about a breakup. Hmm. So it doesn't fully line up, but just the title, Quiet, lines up. Like how she's all alone yeah. and by herself and it's quiet and... Even the dogs aren't really that interested in, with her mm-hmm. at this hour. And so she starts to pour this uh, glass of wine and ends up dumping in the whole bottle. Oof. Been there, girl. Been yeah. there. And in the bloopers of this episode, you guys got to go and watch it somewhere. They tape her pouring the bottle into the glass. And then, you know, in the, the normal show, she takes a sip and then they kind of cut away. But on the bloopers, they had her, they like just kept the camera trained on her while she was drinking. And you just hear one of the guys off camera go, 
Yeah, we're just gonna stay on you while you uh, while you finish that whole thing. <laughs> just, just keep on drinking. <laughs> it's so good. So we don't have to watch her chug it because then we cut to the a little while later. Her glass is empty and she's on the couch surrounded by the dogs. Clearly, she's drunk and feeling sorry for herself. And something I didn't notice, I think the first hundred times I watched this, she takes out Sandy's business, business card, card mm-hmm. which I never, it's like a detail I never noticed before. So she takes out Sandy's business card. So when she picks up that phone, you think she might be calling him. Right. And that the Ted call happened after that or something, but after no. she got rejected. No. Right. No. She calls Ted right away. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to figure out why she called Ted of all people. And I was thinking maybe... Getting propositioned by Sandy made her realize, like, she's been keeping this really nice, great guy at arm's length, and then garbage is, like, washing up on shore. Mm-hmm. And she's, so she's got to try something. Yeah. A Hail so, Mary? Right? Yeah, some like sort a, of a, yeah, some sort of a Hail Mary-like thing. I'm tired of, like, the meaningless stuff. That's all I keep getting, like, propositioned. Mm-hmm. And uh, it sounds like she doesn't want something meaningless anymore, and it's past 11 o'clock, so... She's probably hopeful that Ted and Victoria aren't together anymore, so she picks up the phone. We're shaking our heads really disappointed. Shaking our heads very disappointedly. Finally, we get back to Ted, and we get to see where the last episode left off. So mm-hmm. we see Ted's reaction, and he's still standing there with his mouth open, and Robin actually has to ask him again, and he quickly recovers. Why? What's up? And she gives a stupid explanation of her new juicer, and she thought, you know who loves juice? Ted. And Ted confirms, I love juice. And yeah. so she asks him to come over and make some juice. And it's... It's such a, it's such a, such a charade, as, yes. as Alex would say in Buffy in his English accent. He likes to say charade a lot. I actually started watching it a couple of years ago on Netflix. Listen, listen. Season one is not good. Oh, I, season one is never good, but I'm pretty far into it where, like, I don't mind. In, oh, my God, you're so excited. I I'll, love it. Yeah, I'll watch it. Okay. Like, I mean, just I, just now, like, to see the, the How I Met Your Mother crossovers, they're everywhere. Really? They're everywhere. Yes. Yes. All right. Yes. But, yeah. Cool. So I, I'll definitely give it a try. All right? And yes. maybe listen to that other podcast that recaps it. Yeah, it's so good. Okay. Anyway, back to the charade. Back to the charade. So she asks him about the juice, whatever. And before Ted answers, we have this like freeze frame. Mm. And we hear future Ted say, when it's after 2 a.m., just go to sleep, which is the theme throughout this episode. And yes, go yeah. to sleep because, you know, as future Ted tells us, the decisions you're going to make after 2 a.m. are wrong. Yeah, and that happens several times throughout the episode where Ted will be sort of on the verge of making a decision mm-hmm. after 2 a.m., and he'll get that reminder from his Don't mother. Don't do it. Don't do it, but you know that if we're hearing that, he's about to do something wrong. Mm-hmm. We see Ted in the cab, and he's doing some self-talk. This is fine. This is fine. And he starts telling the cab driver that he's going to go to this girl's house to, you know, make some juice. And the cabbie gives him, like, a knowing smile. And Ted's like, mm-hmm. no, 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 And he also gives this, like, long-winded, too much information kind of explanation. He's like, I have this girlfriend. She's in mm-hmm. Germany. She's supposed to call me four hours ago to have a serious talk. You know, 
reducing his friends. Yeah, reducing his friends. Like, sorry, you know, sorry to bug you with my problems. I guess you know, cab drivers are the new bartender, and (laughs) the cab driver takes out a flask and drinks from it and offers Ted a, a shot. And so Ted just tells him that he can leave him right over there at the corner. I love that. Me too. And then he gets into another cab, and I love this part too. And he's like, all right, this is where I left off with the last guy. And the camera, like, kind of zooms in on him, and it's just Ted and his story. And, you know, all of a sudden we hear Victoria's voice, and you're wondering if I would be upset. And Victoria is now driving the cab. and So cool. It's such a really cool way to see inner Ted and Ted and battling with one another and yeah. how he justifies this whole scenario. You know, yep. he he tells Victoria to relax. They're just friends. Yeah, it's um, like his guilt has manifested. Exactly. Yeah. In the form of his girlfriend. Oof. He's like, nothing's going to happen. And in fact, he's going to get a second opinion. So he whips out his trusty flip phone and calls Marshall to get a ruling. So it gives him a quick, you know, rundown of the situation. Even while Ted's explaining, he you can tell he just sounds guilty. Like he's oh, already yeah. had sex with Robin in his mind. Like it's done. Well, he's like, yeah, it's not even a big deal. Whatever. Yeah, he's like, like trying to make it sound so cash. Yeah. Ted, you are not cash. You are never cash. Exactly. And never cash. Never, You're never ever. pulling it off. Never. And she said, I'm on my way to Robin's. She just got this new juicer and we're going to juice. But Marshall quickly just tells him he's going to call him back. And (laughs) then we see Ted's back in the car, uh, the cab rather, with the normal cab driver. Craig was saying that this whole episode, this is, I think maybe the first episode. Well, New Year's Eve, most of it takes place in the dark. But this episode feels really dark. Like all the Mm. scenes are really dark. So he was saying that. Um, it's really, all after 2 a.m., so I felt tired watching yeah, it. Yeah, right? Like, so everything's, like, sort of sketchy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just saying that he loves what the what the um, cinematography, like, the photography people did with these scenes and making it really dark. And he said it adds to the darkness of the episode and makes it feel like we're in Gotham City, which I thought was really cute. Yeah. Also, going with the photography, uh, Carter said that a normal sitcom will have maybe six or seven scenes total, but that this show, sometimes they'll throw like 50 scenes at their, at their photography team and that they'll just pick it up and run with it. And that it's more like making little movies than a sitcom, which That's I thought was cool. really cool. Yeah. Cause I mean, I know we've tried to like figure out where to break down the mm-hmm. scenes and there are so many, even within like the bigger a scene Act? within a scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's so, a flashback. Yeah. And a flash forward. Mm-hmm. We cut to the karaoke place, and he starts talking to Lily in code about the situation that she had blabbed about that she wasn't supposed to. And then as soon as he said Robin, mm-hmm. uh, Barney jumps in because they're talking like this because they think Barney doesn't know that Robin is in love with Ted. But zip, 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 during their battleship evening... All was all was revealed. Right. Pun, pun intended. Oh, yeah. Full pickle. Bear pickle. Mm. Bear pickle. <laughs> Full pickle. What is that? Full pickle. Marshall is so wounded that mm-hmm. Robin didn't tell him, but told uh, Lily Barney. and Barney. And Barney loves. Oh, loves it. Because this sets off the powder keg that mm. has been growing this whole season of... Who is Ted's best friend? 
And so Barney brags that he, oh, I guess I'm just better friends with Robin than you are. And then Marshall lights that fucking match. Oh, he can't wait. Yeah. And says, yeah, well, I'm, I'm better friends with Ted. And the two of them That's kick, a lie. kick back their chairs and have this ad lib screaming match. Oh, was ad libbed? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're basically just so like good. say whatever you want, and fucking Jason Siegel comes up with <laughs> "I boxed in the army." <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <sighs> I boxed in the army. I boxed in the army. Yeah. So that um. That's something Miranda alluded to last time in the in her uh, legendary moment. Mm. She was saying that they have a funny screaming match. And that wasn't in last episode. That's in this episode. And you can find it in the bloopers. And they are absolutely amazing. Also, we slash I were wrong. <gasps> Carter Bays in the commentary confirms that Marshall's ringtone is, in fact, the song really? he was singing. All right. They had it made specially. Oh. Yeah. So uh, our apologies. Damn. We were wrong. I hope that's the last time I'm wrong about this fucking show. What a bitter taste in my mouth. Right? Humiliated. (laughs) In front of our fans. I know. So sorry to the the five of you. Let's go back and edit it out. (laughs) Just have have like a high-pitched keen in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Back in the cab, we see Ted on the phone again, and he's calling Victoria. Um, but surprise, she's actually driving the cab. So mm-hmm. she offers him this, you know, shitty cupcake that she's also <laughs> frosting with this teeny tiny spatula. Adorable. P.S. That was her idea. That was Ashley Williams' idea. Give her her credit. No wonder I hated it. You're such a bitch. No, I was like, why is she frosting it as because she's driving? It's so weird. Because that object, think about it. I was thinking about this, okay? First of all, we can't be mean to Victoria in this episode. This is so bad to her. Well, you'll still be mean to her. That's fine. So, I was thinking about it and how objects mean so much on this show. Yeah. You know, like the pineapple, the French horn, mm-hmm. later on the umbrella. like The cupcake. The cupcake, right? So, the cupcake, since since day one, has symbolized Victoria. But since she's been in Germany, it has symbolized Ted's guilt guilt. about her. Because every time those care packages came, fresh cupcakes. Okay, so she offers him another shitty-looking cupcake. And Ted starts yelling at her. Where Mm -hmm. are you? Why didn't you call me? And you hear inner Ted and his frustration, and he's so mad and hurt and upset. And so Victoria tells him what he wants to hear and what will make him feel better is that she's out hooking up with three guys. Right. Or maybe she's a devoted girlfriend and is calling him right now, which is the exact moment that Ted's phone Ted's phone rings. And that's total projection, by the way. Him acting like she's out cheating on him. Mm-hmm. Because he's about to cheat on her, so he kind of wants to alleviate his own guilt by assuming that she's out whoring around without telling him. Right. Teddy boy. Oh, Teddy boy. But it's not actually Victoria. It's Marshall. And he's telling Ted that a truck carrying sulfuric acid has overturned right in front of Robin's, you know, apartment. What are the chances? Yeah, you could see straight down into hell. It's bad. Ted should go home. And... Ted brushes him off. It's fine. It's no big deal. Nothing is going to happen. And you know what? Every time you say that, 
that just makes something happen. Oh yeah. I mean, you, you tell so yourself, well. yeah, you tell yourself all kinds of shit just to, mm-hmm. to make it okay. Just to get you kind of across the threshold. And right. then once it's gone too far, you don't really give a shit until oh, it's over. And then you're like, oh my God, what have I done? Exactly. It's pretty classic. Yeah. Pretty classic, uh, early, early twenties behavior, early to mid twenties. Yeah. He's like too old for that shit though. Mm-hmm. And Marshall again reminds Ted of what his mom always says. Yeah. Nothing good happens after 2 a.m. And it, he tells him it's too late for juice. Just go home. <laughs> and then he says, Robin and I are just friends. She doesn't like me that way. And that's when Lily gets involved. Yeah. And she says, but she does like you, so you need to go home right now. And Ted is just, there's a bombshell. Mm-hmm. Like you said, he didn't know it. And now he, you know, he had been hoping and wishing and praying that this was true. Yeah. And it is. Yeah. All he heard, all he hears is she likes you. Like, he doesn't hear she's vulnerable or you have a mm-hmm. girlfriend. As soon as Lily says that, he's just sitting in the cab, just... Only thinking of himself. Amazed. Just amazed. Mm-hmm. That she it's finally me. here. It's finally happening. Right. And he gets this huge smile on his face and then he gets off the phone quickly with Lily. And the boys basically tell her she's an idiot because, yeah. of course, Ted's going to go over there. And... Duh. Lily maintains Ted has more sense than that, but future Ted narrates saying, he, I did have more sense than that, but after 2 a.m., my sense was sound asleep. Oof. True or false, nothing good ever happens after 2 a.m. <sighs> I'm trying to think of good decisions I made after 2 a.m., and the only one was, like, drunkenly having my Uber driver also go through the Taco Bell drive through Oh, what'd you get? I don't even remember. I just remember that I'd never done it before, and it was just such a liberating, wonderful experience. Um, this did not happen after 2 a.m. It was more like 3 p.m. Oh, but no. we were doing a, a wine tasting, like a limo thing, out in eastern Long Island. Oh, so it was basically 2 a.m. Pretty much. We'd been drinking since 9 a.m. Yeah, that'll do it. And uh, there's just a fantastic pie place. Like, it's amazing. Briar Mirrors. And so I told the cab, or the cab, the limo driver, I'd give him 20 bucks if we could stop and get pies on the way home. And he stopped. Yay! And wouldn't take any money, but everyone got a bunch of pies and it was delicious. Oh, um, man. That's so a good just one. a similar driving experience and getting food. That's, I, I truly felt like I was living my best life. But everything yeah. else, I mean, usually after 2 a.m., it's, <laughs> it's shots and cigarettes and like every well, just rotten idea that you could possibly have. So. Despite his friend's attempts to... Sage advice. Sage advice and attempts to get him to go home, dude. Ted arrives in Brooklyn and gets out of the cab. And there's Victoria sitting on the stoop. Not real Victoria. It's still conscience Victoria. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of... She's kind of this last hurdle of his guilt. And I just think she did such a good job this episode, especially in the next few mm. scenes. Mm-hmm. Because she she doesn't play it really melodramatic. She's just like, I'm checking with you that you're really about to do this. Like you, Ted Mosby, this Are guy. Sure? Yeah, this guy who, you know, loves love and has all this integrity and wants to be such a good guy. Like you're about to walk through me, your girlfriend, into this house. With, like, knowing what's going to happen. Knowing exactly what's going to happen with this bag of sad vegetables. Got to keep up the... Yeah, you got to keep up the charade. 
with those <laughs> with those veggies. I was gonna say facade, and I was like, no charade. I'm like, well, I guess I could say both. Both, yeah, both are good. Facade charade. Yeah. It's a good drag queen name, maybe. Please welcome to the stage, Facade Rod. Yes. <laughs> so he starts with all these excuses. He's like starting to get angry that he's being challenged about this. And he's like, get out of my way. And she just says, I'm not in the way. It was just like, oof. Right? Yikes. Yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing in the way. You're just, you know, feeling bad because you should. Yep. So upstairs, Robin has changed out her outfit. Mm-hmm. No longer in PJ. She's back into jeans and a different tank top. Looks so. looks pretty similar. Yeah, yeah. I don't really... Whatever. I don't whatever. get the, the change, but that's fine. Maybe she likes those jeans on herself. Just and they're just hurts. kind of like... Yeah, they're kind of like bumbling through like a little... Like, hey... How's can... it hanging? Whoa. And like, oh my god, I'm so embarrassed. I can't believe I just said that. Like, yeah. Ugh. Well, yeah. I mean, like with their action. Robin has a has a line that's one of my favorites, I think, in the whole series. And she says, you ever have one of those days when nothing at all that monumental happens, but by the end of it, you have no idea who you are anymore or what the hell you're doing with your life? It's like, yes, that's so relatable. Mm-hmm. Extremely relatable content from, from Robin Shabatsky. And then she gets real with him. I mean, I'm assuming, well, first of all, she's drank an entire bottle of wine. Yep. Because we've never seen Robin this open with herself ever, at least not willingly. Because with with Zip, 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 she told Barney stuff, but that's because he kind of figured it out. Mm -hmm. So here she is saying that she's had this horrible day and she doesn't know who she is or where she's going. And then she says she had a rough day and the only person she wanted to see at the end of it was Ted. Bold. Bold. So bold. But he did drive there from Manhattan, so True. clearly he's kind of a sure thing. She's not risking much by saying that. Like, no. you know, how Robin is about being vulnerable. And then Robin says, so how was the phone call? So she's assuming it's happened, and we get another decision point with the freeze frame and the reminder yep. from Ted's mom to go to sleep. So we immediately know Ted's about to make a terrible decision, and he does. Because he not only says, we broke up, he says she dumped him. Mm-hmm. So now he has positioned himself as the victim of this right. fucking situation. Does he say her name at all this episode? Like they call her his girlfriend. Yeah, he I might remember his friends, said... but not to Robin. So just like, you know, taking, making her less, mm-hmm. less personal, you know, taking yeah. her out of it. Yeah, and I mean, he said last time, like, I don't really remember what she looks like. Like, I know yeah. how she makes me feel, but I don't remember her. So it's like she's sort of been fading out. Mm-hmm. And this this bout of conscience was sort of like the last the last flailing attempt for her to stay alive in his brain. Right. It's a little, it's a little eternal sunshine of the spotless mind now that I'm thinking about Ooh, it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So he's now the victim of the situation somehow, and... Robin's face slowly fades from shocked to happy and he's sort of joking with her about it because he knows that she likes him so it's kind of manipulative a little bit you know Mm -hmm. he's like oh you're smiling you know it's just this whole very like contrived thing and yeah so they're kind of like flirting with each other and you can tell they're both wanting it bad and one of the guys I think it was Carter on the commentary said you could light a cigarette off this scene of them just sort of flirting with each other yeah. and, and getting into it. But they're both smiling. I just feel so bad for Victoria. I like when Robin makes the joke about 
um, she reports the news, so it's part of her job, and she does this, like, smile and fake voice. Thousands died in an avalanche today, or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. And we start to hear this, like, really bad music, and it transitions to this man dressed like Elvis, like old and fatty Elvis in the studded rhinestone pantsuit, yeah. not, like, young, sexy Elvis. Yeah. Um, it's like this, this man, he looks of Asian descent. Yeah. And Marshall and Barney are commenting on how much... Korean Elvis rocks, which is infinity, <laughs> by the way. And infinity. Lily decides, yeah, infinity. <laughs> Lily decides that it's time to go, which is an excellent idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but Barney points out it's only 2.30. And the song Korean Elvis is singing is called The Morning After. Oh. Yeah. It's like there has to be a morning after. And I was just like, oh, Ted and Robin clearly aren't thinking about that shit. No. Especially Ted, yeah. Or how Victoria told him the next day is what ruins it. Mm, oh, my God. The layers. <laughs> but Lily reminds them that they already know nothing good happens after 2 a.m. And yeah. Barney then counters, of course he does, that all the best things have happened to him after 2 a.m. Like the Liberty Bell, the Russian Embassy, the Almost Four Away. <laughs> and Marshall kind of calls him out on it. And he says, I said almost. He gets lawyered pretty uh, yeah he gets pretty defensive though which i love and because it's after 2 a.m he invites korean elvis to hang out with them gotta try to make it legendary yeah and you know the two things aren't mutually exclusive like nothing good happens like to you like good decisions are not made after 2 a.m but that actually usually means there's probably going to be a really good story from it right so like Nothing good for you happens after 2 a.m., but a lot of good stories do. So Barney's right, they're right, but they're still just going to battle about it because now mm-hmm. he, has to, he has to prove his point. And apparently, according to uh, Carter and Craig, there were like tons and tons of, of Korean Elvis moments in this episode that had to get cut. <laughs> like no. he, they, realized, they realized that the episode was just all Korean Elvis and like no <laughs> jokes for anybody else. So they had to... They had to cut way back. Oh, that's so disappointing. Yeah. And Korean Elvis is played by George Chung, who is actually Chinese-American. Oh. Character actor and stuntman. Ooh. As well as a voice actor. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Chinese Elvis is, like, as fun to me to say as Korean Korean Elvis. Elvis. Like, it doesn't... One doesn't sound better than the other. I know. I don't know why they had to make that distinction. Whatever, 2006. Then we're back in Robin's apartment in her living room, and Ted and Robin are comparing their new razors, which is such a 2006 conversation. It really is. And such a still, like, more awkward small talk. Small talk. You know, like, whoa. Yeah. At least they, like, call it out. Like, Ted's like, wow, this is some some solid small talk. Mm -hmm. He does that, like, hand thing. But, and it, it totally makes sense because, yeah, everybody had the same phone. And before they were different colors, everyone had the silver ones. So... Yeah. It's very relevant. I never had a razor, though. I didn't have a razor. I had... I had some other... I had, like, every obnoxiously green phone that you could possibly have. Like, the color green, not the eco-friendly kind of green. (laughs) I had, like, a whole bunch of flip-up ones. Whatever. Yeah, everybody had that phone, but also the razor in this scene is extremely important to the story. First, he uses it as a metaphor of, you know, the old phone versus the new phone. This phone feels right. Oh, God. And then later, when their phones look the same, that becomes a problem. 
So, so yeah, so there's this metaphor he uses how the whole, the other phone was great, but the whole time a little part of him wanted this phone instead. And the, the flip phones go back to ruining, to ruining everyone's lives very shortly. Mm-hmm. The phone rings as they're talking about their phones and Ted steps out panicked, probably thinking it's going to be Victoria. He could only be so lucky. Yeah. Turns out it's Curry and Elvis calling from Marshall's phone because they're all in a cab heading to McLaren's. Presumably, Marshall called to say, come on downstairs. We'll be at McLaren's in a few, but he's not upstairs, bro. He's in Brooklyn. Uh, So he has to confess that he's at Robin's and that he is fucked up royally. And I love when Marshall says, I don't want to swear in front of Korean Elvis, but what the bleep are you doing, dude? <gasps> Me too. I love that part. Yeah. Um, and of course, the only explanation is it's Robin. Because of course. It's Robin. Yeah. And Victoria was fine, but it's Robin and it doesn't really matter. And again, we see Ted having this sort of everything's a means to an end mentality where... Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter if he screws up today because it's Robin and anything is fair game if it means that he gets her. But Lily decides to snap him out of it or try to. She says, if you do this right now, your entire future will be built on a crime. I love. Right? What an excellent line. I love that line. Just and the next part, too, when she tells him, don't do this the wrong way, you know? Yeah. And he's so frustrated because he knows she's right. Yeah, and this is, and she is right because this is something he's wanted for a really long time, and now he has the opportunity to have it. Mm-hmm. He needs to do it the right way and not rush into it. Yeah, but he can't help himself at this nope. point. He's heading out. And yeah, he's up. completely heading out, heading up, all over, all over the town. But he seems like he, he seems like he's gonna leave. Like he tells her that he hates that she's always right, and decides to go back in and and he starts to try to leave you know he comes in barely sits down and says no I should I should really go and so she follows him to the door and they hug oh and it lingers I hate their faces or Ted's face like his closed eye like (laughs) you guys can't see it's a really attractive face she's making right now just like Ted's just like Ted's (laughs) They pull back very, 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 very slowly, and then they kiss. Ugh. And it's a real kiss. It's not like uh, the night that they were up on top of the roof, up on the roof, Mm -hmm. and kissed just to see if they could do it without catching feelings. And it's not the kiss from New Year's Eve when Robin had a boyfriend, and it was sort of like a not a pity kiss, but it was like a friend kiss. Yeah. This is like they're both in it a hundred percent. Oh yeah. Despite. Everything that's happening. Cuts to black. Cuts back. They're making out hard on the couch. And uh, Robin decides to ask if they should move into the bedroom. Ted really wants to, but before he does, he has to have one final argument with his conscience. So he can do this feeling, feeling less guilty than he does. But that's not about to happen. So he goes in the bathroom. Uh, he grabs a phone from the table, which he thinks is his. And as he's trying to get up the courage by, you know, drinking out of the faucet, it's like this classic horror movie technique. Oh, makes you jump. I jump know. scare, right? The jump the scare, yeah. It? Like, you don't see anyone in the mirror. He goes down, gets a drink, comes back up, boom, there's Victoria behind him. So she's definitely haunting him in this apartment. And he says, yeah, I'm going to call you and break up with you. I'm just getting this over with. People break up all the time. 
and she's very quick to to remind him that there's no way he's going to be able to do this in the amount of time it takes to pee. He can't do it. He's going to be in there forever, and mm. this is not the way you break up with someone that you care about. But Ted's just like, I don't care. It's not ideal. It's not ideal, right? But it's a means to an end. It's whatever it takes to get in Robin's pants. Can't wait 24 hours to do that. Oh, Teddy boy. Teddy boy. I want you to sing, oh, Teddy boy, like, oh, Danny boy. Oh, Teddy boy. (laughs) The phone, the phones are ringing. (laughs) Your mom invited me to her funeral because you're going to sing it there. Yeah. I know. I was like, Mimi. She said that to me once, just out of nowhere. She just said, I want you to sing Danny Boy at my funeral. I was like, this is probably the most Irish conversation we've ever had with each other. <laughs> just just chatting That's about so funerals, Irish. about nothing, you know? Yeah. Just setting up your funeral plans in the middle of the, middle of the day. You know how Irish Catholics are. Death is always on their mind. Oh, mama. God. Oh, Teddy Boy. Back at McLaren's. Uh, Korean Elvis is serenading the group <clears> because, you know, Barney still wants to prove that legendary things do actually happen after 2 a.m. And Marshall tells me, you know, he tried, it's great, but that's it, they're they're going home. And Barney says that they just, you know, had hit the le, there's still the gen, the de, the re. Ah, oh, the re. The re, <laughs> my fave. And I love this. Uh, Lily says, well, if we're at the le, let's follow the tss, go home. So clever. So Phonic good. style. Phonic style burn. Korean Elvis then pleads with Lily not to go and starts calling her baby, baby, baby. And he says, I know what you like. And then whispers something into her ear that I can only imagine as being incredibly crude because yeah. it's Lily yeah. that we're talking about here. It would have to be and bad. It, yeah. And she just winds up and <laughs> just gets him right. In the nards. <laughs> I said she rocks him in the nuts. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, and he, like, you know, keels over. So it was, you know, kind of legendary in its own way because it's the night that Lily kicks Korean Elvis in the nards. Yeah. I love that they said nards, too. Nards. Apparently that's a reference to some 80s movie. I bet. So uh, we're back at Robin's. Ted's still trapped in the bathroom with the ghost of his conscience. Mm-hmm. And... um he says, I'll call you tomorrow, but I'm going to be staying here tonight. And Victoria's kind of incredulous about it and just sort of lets him keep spiraling. And he says, there's every chance that Robin is the one I marry. What does it matter if I jump the gun? Carter and Craig were talking about on the commentary that, which I thought was a really cool way to say it. I feel like we've said it in a roundabout way, but the characters, especially Ted, are seem to be somewhat conscious of the fact that they're living in someone's story. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's, they're conscious of the fact that they're a story that's being told. So like we see Ted doing this all the time where he'll say something and all he can think about is how, what he's doing right now, how this moment is going to be talked about in the future. Like how he's going to tell the story of this moment in the future. I mean, he did that as early as the pilot, you know, mm. when you tell this story at my wedding. So, I mean, he is constantly talking about, you know, in the end, this isn't going to matter. In the end, this is going to be a beautiful story and we can just skip over this moment. Right. Then he starts to get really schmaltzy and says, I'm just exhausted from pretending I'm not in love with her. And Victoria, a.k.a. himself, 
calls him on his bullshit mm-hmm. and says, no, this is about you wanting to get laid. Yep, it's about you and your dick. Because the love, the love stuff, the love stuff can wait. You know she likes you. Mm-hmm. That could wait. And then he just fully admits to that and starts defending that and says, you know, we both want it. Don't be in Germany. Real petty. Very callous, and you don't really expect it to hit from him. And you know, he's all puffed up and you know, full of hubris. And then he looks down at his phone, and this moment is everything. So. Good. Ashley Williams plays it so perfectly. That's not your phone. All the blood just rushes out of Ted. He looks up from his phone and he's alone in the bathroom again. Mm-hmm. Just alone with his thoughts and he comes out and of course, Robin is just hanging up the phone and she doesn't sound happy. Turns out she thought her phone was Ted's the way he thought hers was his. Now Robin knows that Ted wasn't broken up because it was Victoria who called and she picked up at 2 a.m., almost 3 a.m. at this point, mm-hmm. in her apartment. Oh, I can't imagine how Victoria felt in that moment. No. I mean, if I was her in this moment in Germany, I would be thinking about game night when she found out that Ted was used to be in love and did oh. a return. Listen. Right? I would yeah, be thinking yeah. about what a bitch Robin was to me. Always. And how she lied and said it's because we were close friends. Mm-hmm. I would be getting so mad. Oh, my God. I would want to, like, fly home and just fucking burn his whole life down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But he's not getting off the hook just because Victoria is in in Germany because Robin is also pissed. And she should be. Yeah. She's like, yeah, just talk to your girlfriend, bitch, and throws him the phone, walks Mm -hmm. into her bedroom alone. And if Ted was wondering why you don't jump the gun by one night. That's What the big deal it is. Yeah, there's the big deal, buddy. The other thing that Craig and Carter mentioned about the idea of the character sort of living the stories as they're being told, current Ted, so present Ted, can't stop thinking about how his life is going to be in the future when he meets the girl and settles down, blah, blah, blah. Future Ted is constantly talking about the past. So no Ted is living in the present moment. Whoa, you just blew my mind. Yeah, they blew my mind. <laughs> they were both just like, whoa. When they said that to each other, they were like, holy shit. That's nuts. Right? This scene ends, Ted Ted heads out, just as a song called Hard Left is playing. And some of the lines are, saying I'm sorry till I'm blue in the face, leaves me empty with no love left to waste. We promise to have, or we promise to hold. How does a promise ever grow old? Yes, and there you have it. The stupidest thing Ted has ever done. Mm-hmm. Managing to hurt two different people that he cared about in one night. Yeah. And he says he just should have listened to his mom when it's after 2 a.m. Just go to sleep. And then we see side-by-side shots of Ted and Robin both asleep in their own beds. I feel like it made the episode more powerful for them to go back and show us Robin's day. Mm. Because we could have just... We could have just skipped that and gone right into their, to Ted's view of the rest of the night. But knowing what a terrible day she had and this at the end of it. Right, right. Just sort of like was this one-two punch that I think was, was really effective. I agree. Poor Robin. I know. I think the whole time we were thinking it was Ted that was making all the bad decisions. Mm-hmm. And that he was the one that needed the advice. But when you see Robin sitting on her bed at the very, very end, and there's sort of that split screen, it's pretty clear that she hates herself 
for jumping the gun too. Like both of them fucked up and needed to just go to sleep like Ted's mom said. But you know what? They were just both too thirsty for juice. Oh my God. (laughs) You like that? Oh. Came up with that earlier, and I was like, Caitlin's gonna either hate this or love it so much. Oh, I love it. Yay. Oh, that's really good. All right. Um, final question before we get into legendary moments. What is the one piece of advice from your mom that you carry into your life? Mine is don't make big decisions when you're upset. Oh, that's a really good one. Yeah. Cause you know. Shit has happened in my life, Mm -hmm. and I have wanted to move to another country to get away from that thing that's happening or make some crazy rash decision. And luckily, I was old enough that when things fell apart, I knew well enough to listen to my mom. Right. Because I think if I was younger, I might not have heard her when she said that. But I'm so glad I sort of stayed put and, and dealt with things and, and weathered the storm. That's really good. Right? That's a really good one. Good like, don't do rash stuff when you're not in a good headspace. I can think of, like, a couple things. Nothing, like, really I can good. think of one. I can think of one for your mom. All right, what? Don't ever fucking sit on the furniture in the front living room. Oh, no. Or play with toys in your room. That's for the, the Pope <laughs> alone or whoever. I don't know who that furniture was for. But we were never, ever allowed to sit on Caitlin's mom's furniture in the front room. We're still not. We're still not. It's so amazing. It's like a fucking showroom. Yeah. You should see it now. It's all been renovated. Oh, shit. It's really nice looking, yeah. I love it. We just look at it, though. The sitting room where no one can sit. I don't blame her. We were grubby, disgusting people as children. Yeah, and she has come a long way. Like, people have spent the night on that couch. Shut your face. Yeah, yep. wow. we've had like 15 million people at my house for like Thanksgiving or whatever. We've had people on every couch, every available floor space. Holy crap. Possible. So yeah. That's growth. I'm proud of, her. Way. proud of her. My mom always taught me like take care of your shit, like take care of yourself. Mm. You know, like buy the better shampoo because it's good for your hair or yeah. do this, like take care of you. Self-care. She always like, yeah, self-care. That was always big. And also boys only want one thing. <laughs> Those are the two pieces of advice. Facts, no printer. <laughs> Courtesy of Linda. <gasps> I love it. I love that one. Yeah. Boys only want one thing. Juice. I was like, what is that? Yeah, they just want juice. They just fuckers. want juice. Yeah, Ted's a little fuck boy, huh? Such a fuck boy in this episode. Yeah, she Ooh. dumped me. What a bitch. I want to punch him in his stupid face. Alright, so what did you think of this episode? I love this episode, mm. not just because it's over for Ted and Victoria. It's a such a well done episode. Yeah, I love it. Has like all the things that we love about How I Met Your Mother. Um, we get to see like a dark side of Ted, who's mm. been so goody goody, yeah. so Midwestern. You know, not like us New Englanders. And yeah, we just I, I love it. I love this episode. It's really good. One of my one of my top episodes. It's a good one. Yeah, I mean, yes to everything you said. It was just, it was darker than than we've seen. Mm -hmm. So we know that, I mean, we know because we've seen the whole show, but if you're just watching this the first time, you kind of realize that these writers and creators and director can handle heavier stuff in a way that 
is respectful of of the of the stuff that's happening. Like there are going to be moments where the show isn't funny. It's a sitcom, but there are going to be times when it's not funny and it's it's hard to watch and it's sad and like you see Robin be vulnerable in a whole new way and mm-hmm. she just gets punished for that. I love it. And like Carter and Craig were saying on the on the commentary reel, this is when we start to see the characters really learning lessons like not just it's not just fun stories about when they were when they were in their 20s it's like Mm -hmm. now they're really learning from their mistakes and this is the the good stuff that you really want to pass on to your kids absolutely so we have a shitload of legendary moments to get through i can't believe this it's so exciting okay so this is not a legendary moment but more of an opinion from one of our twitter fans his name is dan and we Talk pretty often on Twitter. So here's what he had to say about the conundrum between Ted and Robin and Victoria. I have a hot take. If Ted was either more honest or was better at being dishonest, that situation is not a big deal. Like, at the point where you have decided with finality that you're ending a relationship and it's long distance and difficult to reach them, it doesn't actually matter morally whether you've made it official or you will the next day. It changes nothing. What makes cheating wrong is the betrayal of a relationship. This was not that. The relationship was over, whether or not the conversation had taken place. Ted should have shut his phone off and called Victoria the next morning, and neither needed to know about the timing. How do you feel about that? Uh, I don't know. As someone who has been cheated on, and someone who has done the cheating, Mm. like, I get it, but... A relationship has two people, and I'm not saying that you both need to decide that it's over, Mm. but I think it's, either way, she's going to be hurt and she's going to be upset. Yeah. But I just feel like you're still hurting somebody and that's morally not great. Yeah. But no, I think that's a really good point. You want him to do the, yeah, you want to do the purely good thing. Everyone wants that. I guess to his point whether both of them or only one of them thinks the relationship is over. It's over. Like, right. only one of them Doesn't has matter. to believe that, right? Um, but we still don't know what Victoria was calling about. Mm. Was she going right. to break up with him? Was she going to say, I'm going to come home for a I'm week pregnant? or something? Stop it. Oh, my God. Who can say? Who can say? So there's that, there's that theory um, <laughs> from, from Dan. Thank you, Dan. Um, he sees this as a little bit of a grayer moral area than I think either of us want to. Yeah. But it makes sense. And this sort of thing happens all the time, especially with long distance relationships. And that's, that's why last time I was saying like, you kind of have to loosen your, your grip and expectations when it comes to being in a long distance relationship or, you know, don't be in one because they're garbage. They are absolute trash. Absolute trash. Our next email comes from Sam. She says, hi, Kate and Caitlin. Finally watching ahead a bit, and hopefully we'll get this legendary moment to you in time. What a Good sweetie. You, girl. Right? We got it. Yeah. Got him. So sweet. I, I like, I said this to you before. It's so flattering that somebody watched a bit ahead to get their legendary moments into us so we I could know. read it out loud and share it with other people and talk about it. It's pretty cool. Fucking wild, wild west, man. It is. Nothing Good Happens After 2 a.m. is a favorite episode of mine. Though I love so much of the episode, my legendary moment would have to be Robin telling Lily's class about her five dogs and then repeating, no, 
I've got five dogs. <laughs> when asked, don't you get lonely? Side note, Sam has four dogs. Whoa. Wow. Damn, girl. I got one. <laughs> he's a handful. Yeah. Literally, he's the size of your hand. Yeah, literally, yeah. I also like the title and the repetition of the advice to just go to sleep after 2 a.m., I also like how this gets brought back with a twist in the final season of the show. Mm. It is advice that I should have followed myself last night. <gasps> what did you do? Oh. What did you do? Wait, hold on, though. Sam's Canadian. Let's keep that in mind. Okay. It's pretty mild. It's pretty it's mild. so delightful. It's so delightfully Canadian and adorable. So Sam chose to stay up till 2 a.m. on a work night, brutal, Watching the women's hockey gold medal game, only to see Canada fall to the U.S. in the shootouts. Sorry. Uh. She's Canadian and realizes that many American listeners may have different perspective on this tragic Aww. event. But you know what, girl? I feel your pain. That's terrible yeah. to to see your team fall, especially when they're they're an incredible team. Yeah, so yeah. Don't be too upset because they are incredible. But and we love our Canucks. Robin Sherbatsky yeah. comes from the Great White Sherbatsky. North, so we're happy to have you listening. Looking forward to your thoughts on the episode. Keep being awesome, Sam. Aww. Thank you, Sam. You're so sweet. Yay. This one comes from Tanya, our friend in South Africa. Ooh. So now we have, I think, I think Dan, Dan, I don't know where you're from. You'll have to tell me. I'm not going to guess. Sam from Canada. Now we have Tanya from South Africa. Crazy. Mm-hmm. So Tanya says, good morning, ladies. Ted, Teddy boy, sigh. Not like this. Just go home. Amen. Hashtag not mm-hmm. like this. Ted made me so angry that I shouted at the screen. English wasn't emotionally charged enough to express my, frusta- my frustration with Ted. He brought out my Afrikaans. <gasps> oh. Yeah, she said it's my home language and the language used by my mother when she was really angry with me. <laughs> I would love to hear what she shouted. I know. He was such a baby, Ted. Whining about how tough long distance is when he was the one who suggested it in the first place. Amen, Thank Tanya. You. Put it back in your pants, Teddy boy, and make better decisions. That's right. Yes. She does She does follow that up, though, with, that being said, I still love me some Ted. The heart wants what the heart wants. <laughs> oh, bless. Ah, <laughs> oh, he's a good guy. He's just a bubbling idiot sometimes. Yes. Sometimes. Uh, so then she says, Jason Siegel and Neil Patrick Harris have great chemistry in this episode, especially when they fight about who is better friends with Ted. Oh, I love that. Love the line when Marshall says, I'll show you things you've never seen before. <laughs> I boxed in the army. Oh, it is I love so good. It. Tanya, you have to watch the bloopers if you haven't. Because that, I mean, they show a bunch of other ad-libs they did. That's great. Um, but her legendary moment for this episode happens when Ted is on his way to Robin and he is speaking on the phone to Marshall. Marshall says, Ted, I just saw the news, and a truck carrying sulfuric acid overturned right in front of Robin's house, <laughs> and it's melting through the sidewalk. You can see straight down into hell. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. It's my legendary moment because Marshall is describing how dangerous Ted's actions are and how dire the consequences of these actions are. Straight up hell. Good call, Tanya. Nice, nice okay. use of symbolism. And yeah. still, Ted follows his pants feelings. <laughs> His pants feelings, I love I that. I love that. I want to use that. His pants feelings. He doesn't deserve. He doesn't deserve Marshall as a best friend in this episode. That's all mm-hmm. for now. And thank you again for your podcast. I have watched How I Met Your Mother so many times, but your podcast has added a great dimension to my enjoyment and appreciation of this show. Stay awesome. Oh, 
my heart. Tanya, thank you so thank much. Girl. That's really kind. We're so I glad that my own mother it. would say such nice things. Yeah, same. About me. <laughs> All I know is she wants me to sing Danny Boy at her funeral. So we've got another legendary moment from Abha in India. Our other international friend. Oh, I love that. Oh, you should sing that every time. <laughs> another international friend. Perfect. Right? Nailed it. Yeah, I love it. Nailed so Abha has a couple of legendary moments. The first one she tells us is when Robin actually talks about her feelings. Mm. It was just a rough day and the only person I wanted to see at the end of it was you. Oof. We don't really get to see Robin, you know, acting so vulnerable. So, yeah, yeah I could definitely see why that was a legendary moment for you. Mm-hmm. Her next one, when Ted talks about his phone as a metaphor for Robin. Yeah. I got a new phone, same as yours. Look. Ooh, yeah, do you like it? Um, some solid sm- small talk. So that really thin, thinly veiled metaphor. Yeah. Was actually for oh, really him and Robin. Yeah. For like wanting Ab- the phone, the other phone, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Abha's third legendary moment is the part where Ted and Robin hug and when they withdraw the hug and they kiss. It feels so meant to be. I felt Oof. the opposite. I felt so cringy watching it, but I have a black heart. And Abha's last legendary moment is when Marshall and Lily want to go home and they're at the bar <laughs> with Korean Elvis. And Lily ends up kicking Korean Elvis in the nards. So those are really great uh, legendary moments. And yeah. she has really excellent taste because those are some of my favorite pieces too. And we also have a legendary moment from our good friend Miranda. Yes, Miranda sent us another voice memo. Yeah, so let's listen to it now. Hi ladies, it's Miranda. So nothing good happens after 2 a.m., I like that everyone that is in Ted's circle from college knows this rule and says it multiple times. Like, Barney doesn't believe it. I don't think Robin really believes it. But Lily and Marshall, they agree. My legendary moment for this episode probably is the montage of Robin getting ready in the morning in the early part where she's up. She, you know, smiles. She talks to her dog. She brushes her teeth. I love when she's leaving the house, she tells her dogs to sit, behave themselves, and don't get in the liquor cabinet. Because anyone who's ever been a pet owner has probably joked with their pets at least once or twice about that. I, I normally tell my cat, hey, don't don't burn down the house. But I just thought that that was really cute with Robin, how she starts her day and she's having a good day and things are good. So that's my legendary moment. I'm not the biggest fan of this episode. I know a lot of people like it, but... Like I said before, I'm not a big fan of the Ted Robin go around. This one just it feels like it drags stuff on that doesn't need to drag on. I'm starting to agree with somebody about maybe Victoria needs to go, but I digress. You guys have a good rest of the day. I'll talk to you later. Well, well, well. Hmm. What was that? Somebody needs to go. I my uh, I went through a tunnel. I didn't hear that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you guys covered a lot of them. Uh, do you have another one that you want to share? Yeah, actually, I do. Last week, you really impressed me with how you thought outside the box. Oh. Um, Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Thanks. And so I wanted to think a little outside the box. My legendary moment of this episode was Victoria. What? (laughs) Did I just... Did I just die? Did I just pass out? I don't like her. Did I just have a stroke? But she made her character the... The way she delivered it was so... You all heard that, right? You all heard her say that? Yeah, she was my legendary moment. She's not my legendary woman. 
Wow. Oh, oh she was excellent. She did such she a good excellent. job. Give yeah. the woman an Emmy. That's so that. funny. I was going to say her, like, in general, like, Victoria as Ted's conscience as Victoria. Like, she played it completely right. differently than she played herself. Mm-hmm. She was, like, playful, but also in a way... I don't know. She kind of felt like all knowing, like she knew exactly what was going to happen. So she sort of was a little detached from it. Yeah. But I'll, I'll narrow it down from what you said. And just that moment in the bathroom. Yes. When Ted looks at his phone phone and she does this little face and she just says, that's not your phone. That's like face crack. Yeah. Face crack of the century. Yes. This replaces last episode's face crack by a mile. Yeah. By a mile, yeah, for sure. The current season um, one face crack award. Oh yeah. I already know who's Perfect. gonna win, but this is the the winner for right now. Yeah, I I love that part because you think she's going to say something else, maybe to get Ted to change his mind or plead with him, and she just that's not your phone. Oof, so good. Like I fucking told you so, bitch. I think a lot of shows, like like we said, like they have a lot of stuff to work out their first season. Yeah. But I feel like if you've watched up until now, and like this, I feel like this episode just like seals it. It's such a great show with really mm-hmm. clever writing and a really interesting way to tell stories. And I think, for me, this probably was the episode that really like sold me. Yeah, kind of turns the the yeah, whole show. It's like, all right. I, I want to keep watching this. What happens next? I yeah. Need to know. A lot of people compare How I Met Your Mother to Friends. I don't remember Friends getting as dark as How I Met Your Mother does sometimes. Mm. I think they handle the darkness better. Like, they're less afraid of it. and because It's more in a real way and relatable. Yeah, and I think they, they don't shy away from it. And like uh, Carter said, where they like making mini-movies. I, th- I, think, I think Friends... Because of the, the time it was it was done and everything, it was sort of very married to the sitcom format. Yeah. And How I Met Your Mother was a little more loose. And it has an edge to it. And we're going to do, at the end of the season, uh, like a season one wrap-up. And I have something I want to talk about related to the darkness of the show, but I'll save it for then. Well, holy shit, this is definitely the longest episode we've ever done so far. Is it? Yeah, I mean, we had we had so many friends writing in and and leaving voice messages for us. So that's true. Thank you, everybody. Holy crap! I mean, this episode is great, and it was it was fantastic to see everybody else's takes on it and how everybody has uh, their own legendary moments that didn't really overlap at all, which is crazy. Yeah, we all found something different. Yeah. to enjoy something for everyone. And how I met your mother—that's for sure. So. Thank you, everybody who wrote in, and also everybody who's listening. If you don't know... Thank you so much. Yeah. We post new recaps every Thursday, so be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud or however you listen to podcasts um, so you won't miss the new episodes. And if you want to send us an email uh, or a legendary moment or both about an upcoming episode, you can send us a message at heybeautifulpodcast at gmail.com. And just so you know, next week we are going to be talking about Mary the Paralegal, which is a super fun episode. So start thinking now about your legendary moments and email them to us. Again, heybeautifulpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us over on Twitter where we're making GIFs and hanging out and having a good time. And on Facebook, and you can find us at both of those places at 
Hey, beautiful pod. We hope you'll come back next episode. Because it's going to be legend. Wait for it. This has been Hey Beautiful with your hosts, Kate Gordon and Caitlin Turner. Our intro-outro music is by Owl All. Ha ha ha.